On February 21, 1919, a woman was finally released from the grips of her long-term illness. It had been a long life she'd led. 86 years, multiple careers, and two wars. One fought with scalpel, and the other with speech. After her death, she was taken to the local cemetery of her hometown and buried there with the rest of her family. Her coffin was draped with the American flag, and her body with a black suit, not a black dress, exactly as she would have wanted. Into the ground went a prisoner, a prohibitionist, spy, surgeon, suffragist, writer, and abolitionist. Into the ground went the only woman to ever receive the United States Medal of Honor. But before all that could happen, she was Mary Edwards Walker. I'm not here for the grand schemes, and now neither are you. Long history very short, this is Little Slights, where I discuss the women who lived and died in the shadows cast by history's limelight. Let's talk about the Sawbones Suffragette. Mary Edwards Walker was born in Oswego, New York, on November 26, 1832, to parents Alva and Vesta Walker. She was the last of the Walker children to be born, following five sisters and one brother. The Walkers raised their children on the farm they owned in a progressive manner for the times. Chores were divided evenly, wife and daughters doing as much on the farm as husband and son were expected to do indoors. The girls were also not required to wear dresses while they worked. Their parents, especially Vesta, found dresses to be too unwieldy to work in, and corsets and tight lacing downright unhealthy. It was a freedom Mary embraced to the fullest whenever she could get away with it, and often when she couldn't usually found running around in bloomers instead of skirts. The walkers didn't seem to mind if Mary ran around in a potato sack. But more than freedom of dress, they wanted their children to be free in thought. All of their children, not just their son. The key to this was education, but there was none to be found for the girls near their home. Well, no matter to the walkers. If that type of education wouldn't be provided for their girls, they would provide it themselves. Alva and Vesta founded the first free schooling house in Oswego in the 1830s, allowing for little girls and boys alike to be sent to and complete their primary schooling. Afterwards, the Walker girls, Mary included, were sent to the Folly Seminary in Fulton, New York, a little over 10 miles northwest of Oswego. Seminaries in those days had come to be synonymous with academies, a spiritual successor to female boarding schools with a sharper focus on academics and learning. Folly Seminary was sort of an exception, however— Oh, it still focused on higher learning, but unlike other seminaries that also saw the reinforcement of gender roles and societal norms, Folly wanted to teach their girls reform in all aspects of life. It was the perfect environment for Mary Walker, who had taken to wearing trousers and suspenders under the skirts of her dresses, who was coming to see feminine conventions of the day as not just confining, but intrinsically wrong, who pored over her father's medical textbooks in her free time and dreamed of being a doctor. It must have seemed surprisingly stereotypical that Mary Walker became a schoolteacher in Minetto, New York after her graduation from Folly, but it was all a part of Mary's plan. Teaching was a stepping stone for where she wanted to be. While she was in Minetto, she was often ridiculed to the point of harassment by students and locals alike for her dress and her conduct, but she refused to change. Not her trousers, and not her goal. She put money aside from every paycheck, and eventually she had amassed enough to pay her way through Syracuse Medical College, located in upstate New York, in the early 1850s. (music) 
Elizabeth Blackwell was the first woman to receive a medical degree in America, having done so in 1849. Blackwell experienced a tremendous amount of pushback in her time. She was excluded from labs and lectures, and the people of Syracuse shunned her for going against her role as a woman. I imagine Mary, only six years later, went through similar trials, but she endured as she had in Minetto. She graduated from the school with honors in 1855. She was the only woman in her class. Mary was now a full-fledged doctor, or at least she would be, as soon as she opened her practice. But before that particular baby came, of course, a marriage. Mary had met and fallen in love with fellow medical student Albert Miller and married him on November 16, 1855, just 10 days before her 23rd birthday. Mary wore trousers under her wedding dress and refused to allow the word obey in her vows. They started a small practice together in Rome, New York, but struggled to find patients. Few believed they could receive good care from a female doctor, and even less wanted to test it and find out. The practice, and the marriage, soon began to fall apart, and Mary would divorce Miller after learning he had been unfaithful not long after. By 1860, she was already trying to move on, attending the Bowen Collegiate Institute in Hopkinton, Iowa. This venture also ended quickly, after Mary's refusal to resign from her all-male debate team got her suspended. Mary didn't have to look for long for her next opportunity. In November of 1860, Abraham Lincoln won the presidency on a platform that promised to abolish slavery, and in response, seven of the supposedly United States seceded from the Union. Others soon followed, establishing the Confederate States of America, and negotiations between the Union and Confederacy, already hostile, turned violent in April of 1861, when the Confederate Army attacked Fort Sumter near Charleston, South Carolina. Mary Walker immediately offered her services as a surgeon to the Union forces when the war began. She was experienced in her field, after all, failed practice be damned, and surely the Union could use all the hands it could get. But the Army said no. Mary was a woman, and they had a policy not to accept women into military roles, particularly not ones of such prominence and importance as a field surgeon. They did, however, offer her the position of nurse. And nurses were invaluable during the American Civil War. The angel of the battlefield and founder of the Red Cross, Clara Barton, would come to be much beloved and admired for her bravery and diligence serving as a nurse for the Union Army. But Clara Barton was self-taught and a school teacher and clerk before the war. Mary Walker was a bona fide surgeon and knew her skills could be put to greater use. She declined the Army's offer and volunteered her surgical skills in a civilian role instead. She still worked primarily as a nurse at first, patching soldiers up at the First Battle of Bull Run and other battles. She was then deployed at a temporary hospital set up at the U.S. Patent Office in Washington, D.C. While she worked there, she found time to organize and help operate the Women's Relief Organization, which aimed to aid families of the wounded when they came to visit their loved ones in the hospital. But war had no patience for common sensibilities, and Mary was soon working, unpaid, as a field surgeon on the front lines in Virginia. She traveled up and down the lines in her trousers and men's shirts, stitching and sawing her way through the Union Army as their first female surgeon. If there was a silver lining to the horror of the Civil War, Mary found it in the women she found working with and sometimes alongside the servicemen. She was especially proud of the female soldiers disguising themselves and serving the Army. She even leaked the details of Francis Hook's enlistment to the press after the woman landed in her Chattanooga ward. Like them, Mary wanted to have a more hands-on role in the war, though not through direct combat. She wrote to the War Department in 1862 and offered her services as a spy. 
She would be a fairly decent spy, she reasoned. She was unafraid to cross over into enemy lines to treat her patients and civilians that had been injured in the fighting. Why not glean information for the Union while she was at it? The Union did not agree with her position and rejected her proposal. She was offered instead an official position as an acting assistant surgeon for the Army of the Cumberland in 1863, making her the first female to be officially employed by the U.S. Army as a surgeon. All was going well until April 10, 1864. Mary crossed enemy lines again to help a Confederate doctor perform an amputation. There, she was discovered and captured by Confederate soldiers. And the Confederacy, unlike the Union, agreed with Mary. She would make an excellent spy. They charged her with this and sent her to Castle Thunder, a converted factory turned prison in Richmond, Virginia. Mary didn't suffer terribly, but the conditions in prison were not kind, even for a woman. She suffered from muscular atrophy while imprisoned, which would leave her disabled for the rest of her life. Still, Mary proved as indomitable jailed as free. When the prison offered her female clothing, she refused to wear them, sticking to male duds for the next four months until, on August 12th, the Confederacy traded her for a surgeon of their own, and Mary was released. She was then placed in the 52nd Ohio Infantry for a few months before leaving service in 1865. The war ended in May of that same year, and the country began to rebuild under its new president, Andrew Johnson. After the war, Mary sought recognition for her efforts and validation for her services for the Army. She went to President Johnson, who asked his cabinet to look into the matter. The Judge Advocate General said that a commendatory acknowledgement would be permitted. President Johnson took this to mean, personally award the Medal of Honor to Mary Edwards Walker yourself, and did just that. Walker was not technically eligible, as she was not enlisted in the Army during the time period she was awarded for, but to Mary, and many others, her bravery in crossing the battlefield and enemy lines to render treatment to soldiers and civilians alike proved her worth. She had been acknowledged, awarded, and was now the first and only woman to ever receive the Medal of Honor. The Civil War had ended, but Mary never really stopped fighting. After the war, she became even more outspoken on the rights and expectations of women. She began arguing fervently for dress reform on the public stage. In 1870, she was even arrested in New Orleans for dressing like a man. To this, Mary responded, I don't wear men's clothes. I wear my own clothes. She wrote pieces for popular feminist journals of the time, insisting that women's dress should not cater to others, but, quote, protect the person and allow freedom of motion and circulation and not make the wearer a slave to it. Clothes were a sticking point for Mary, but it wasn't just about them. What they represented in a woman's life, that slavery to expectation and discomfort for the sake of appearance and sensibility, angered her too. In 1871, Mary took her writing one step further and authored a book titled Hit, Essays on Women's Rights, a collection of her thoughts on women's place in love, marriage, religion, and the swelling suffragist movement. These writings and her outspoken nature had initially made her a popular figure in the movement, but Mary soon found herself diametrically opposed to the tide of opinion on one key issue, and her insistence, even stubbornness, on her opinion being heard would soon isolate her from the rest of the movement. You see, in 1868, Mary Walker had sued the Federal Election Board for withholding her right to vote as an American citizen, and in 1871, she tried to register to vote again. She was turned away both times for what was, in Mary's mind, completely unfounded reasons. To Mary, women already had the right to vote and were just waiting for Congress to validate them. 
She and her fellow members of the Women's Suffrage Bureau in Washington had fought a long, hard battle on this front, but after years of no results, the priorities of the movement shifted. If they couldn't depend on what was already there, they must create something new. It would be better to seek a constitutional amendment. Mary didn't like that, and her fellow suffragists didn't like her opposition. They were also growing irritated by the way she dressed. By the 1870s, Mary wore men's attire almost exclusively. I can understand the suffragists, I think, on both fronts. Mary's position was getting them nowhere, and as for women's clothes, they were, for better or worse, women's. And I know I'm a little irritated when people tell me my own clothes oppress me now. They subsequently ostracized her from the movement. Mary kept up appearances and her writing, but she was now ignored, instead of celebrated. But Mary had never needed anyone's validation before, and she certainly wasn't going to change to get it now. As the 1880s dawned, she began branching into politics, first campaigning for the U.S. Senate in 1881, then the House of Representatives in 1890, then the Senate again in 92. She was unsuccessful every time, and towards the end of her active years enjoyed far more popularity in England than the States. But she never gave up on her home country or the movement she had championed for so long. In 1907, at 75 years of age, Mary Edwards Walker published her crowning constitutional argument. States had already given women the right to vote, she said. The Constitution had already given them the right to vote. The only ones holding women back were the men in charge. Five years later, she would repeat this position while testifying in front of the U.S. House of Representatives. Women deserved the vote, of course. But more than that, women deserved to exercise a right they already had. Mary must have felt the moment building, must have known that all she had to do was keep pushing, and she and everyone else would see their efforts rewarded. So she kept working, even when she suffered a personal blow in 1916, when the U.S. Army stripped her of her Medal of Honor on the grounds that she had never received a commission and was therefore ineligible. In true Mary Edwards Walker style, she ignored the technicalities and wore her medal proudly affixed to her lapel whenever she went out in public. The only thing that could truly lick Mary, it seems, was her own body. By the late 1910s, she had grown very ill. She died at home on February 21st, 1919, just one year before Congress passed the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote. She was buried at Rural Cemetery in her hometown of Oswego, New York, in a flag-draped coffin and her best black suit. I don't have the records showing the people she left behind, but we have the work she did which speaks for itself. The Board for Correction of Military Records agreed, as in 1977, they restored Mary Edwards Walker's Medal of Honor against the wishes of the Carter administration. Her citation reads, Dr. Mary E. Walker's efforts have been earnest and untiring in a variety of ways. She has devoted herself with much patriotic zeal to the sick and wounded soldiers, both in the field and hospitals, to the detriment of her own health, and has also endured hardship as a prisoner of war four months in a southern prison while acting as contract surgeon. Her efforts for the suffragist movement were acknowledged in 2000, when she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Since her death, five buildings, including three medical facilities, a stamp, a statue, and a World War II cargo ship, have been named in her honor. In 2016, the American College of Surgeons Women in Surgery Committee established the Mary Edwards Walker Inspiring Women in Surgery Award. It recognizes significant contributions made to the advancement of women in the field of surgery. 
Mary's spirit and commitment to her causes is still felt today, both in healthcare and women's rights. Mary Walker was more soldier than angel on her battlefields, even though she never picked up an actual weapon. Her intellect and her conviction, those were her sword and shield. And she fought, brave and stubborn and fiercely impassioned for everything she believed in. On paper, she lost an awful lot. Excluded, dismissed, imprisoned, isolated, and defeated. But she never broke, never conformed, never gave up. She inspired people to take up the cause beside her and then after her. And eventually, everything she wanted for our society came true. Where it really counted, Mary Edwards Walker was unbeatable. 